Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As Arlen Suderman will join us today from FC Stones. And of course, we're looking at a stock market that uh, is dealing with the Fed's comments. We've got corn and wheat up. We know that there is some harvest going on. So all these factors are going to kind of be pooled together. And speaking of pooling, we're having some flooding issues as we move out of the Dakotas into Iowa and, and downstream. Even on the Mississippi River side, there's some flooding talked about as well. Let's start out stock market, though, Arlen. You said the feds don't like what they're hearing. No, they really don't. Um, in, in this Federal Reserve meeting that just finished, Federal Open Market Committee, which meets uh, six times a year, no, eight times a year in order to discuss monetary policy, and it looks like this is about as divided of a Fed as we have seen in quite some time, try, divided on whether we should cut rates more. They did cut 25 basis points. Some want to cut it more, wanted to go 50 basis points. Some wanted to raise interest rates or, or hold them steady. And so a very divided Fed right now, it looks like. And uh, when you look at the dot plot graphic, which is where they all put down where they think the interest their benchmark interest rate, short-term rate, will be at the end of this year, at the end of next year, at the end of the year after, and then go through and where's the median guess in the in that group. It would suggest that this is the last rate cut for this year. The market didn't like that. No rate cuts for next year. The market definitely didn't like that. And maybe a 25 basis point increase in 2021. And the markets have become addicted to central bank stimulus. They want to see that. But the other factor is with the central bank in Europe, European Central Bank, lowering rates and rates that are already in negative territory, taking them deeper into negative territory. Uh, Japan, same type of a story. Virtually all around the world, central banks are lowering their interest rates. And we're the ones that have the strong economy relative to the rest of the world. And so when you look at the economic signals, and this week's economic data has been strong. Uh, industrial production report came out showing strong growth. Um, the housing reports, a couple of housing reports have come, come out this week. And that sector has been struggling, but it showed a rejuvenation of the housing industry. Um, that argues against any rate cuts. Um, but yet, if the U.S. rates stay too high, and of course I'm one who got my first home mortgage at 10% interest rate, so I look at these as low rates, but relative to the rest of the world, our 2% rates are 1 and 3 quarter percent short-term rates, uh, 10-year rates at 1.7, 1.8, that's high relative to the rest of the world. So what does that do? That brings a lot of money to the United States. $17 trillion of global investments are under negative interest rates right now. A lot of that money would like to see positive rates, even if they're what we call low in the United States. So that's making their way here, and that creates a demand for U.S. dollars, which pushes our dollar up versus other currencies. And a strong dollar makes it hard for us to sell our commodities and our products overseas and can slow down the economy. So it rarely gets talked about by central banks. This has really become all central banks just kind of fighting with each other to see who can keep their currencies tapped down lower to try to stimulate their economies and export business. And if the, if the U.S. central bank doesn't keep up with that, 
then we face a problem with a strong dollar. And so while I'm one of those who believe that there's really uh, probably longer-term risks to following the rest of the world low, that's one of the great risks if we don't follow them down is that strong dollar creates problems for commodities. In the near term, if you're a grain or a livestock producer and you're, you're watching what happened with the talks today, and what is your reaction to that? How do you think about marketing? How do you look at your operation? Well, in the long run, um, the two things that are going to be primarily having the biggest impact in the grain and livestock markets is livestock, it's going to be African swine fever. Uh, and on the grains, it's going to be what's the size of this year's crops. And, and uh, that's going to be the biggest impactor of prices over the next uh, really 60 to 90 days and probably beyond. But uh, once the market gets that priced in, um, then the strength of the dollar indicates how well we compete with the other markets. You know, Arlene, even though it has been, and you talked about this in your midday commentary um, newsletter, even though it has been a drier September, we do have some localized flooding issues and many guys that are saying we could use a little bit of rain to go with this uh, warm temperatures we've had. Yeah, it's really been split in September so far this year. Um, with uh, northern Nebraska north, we've had lots of rain. And as you indicated earlier, that's bringing up the rivers again. If you go south of the southern Nebraska south, it's been quite dry. And the hard red winter wheat belt with the bulk of the production from southern Nebraska south through Texas uh, has been really short on moisture. In fact, roughly 50% of the hard red winter wheat belt has received less than half of its normal rainfall this month so far. And roughly a quarter of the hard red winter wheat belt has received less than a quarter of normal rainfall for this month so far. Um, Texas is especially dry right now. We do have some Gulf moisture coming up by way of a tropical storm into Texas up through the Houston area. Um, But right now that's looking like it's going to stay primarily east of the hard red winter wheat belt. Well, it's definitely nice to to get these temperatures as we try to get a a crop caught up before harvest hits. Well, certainly so. The warm temperatures have helped finish the crops, helped dry them down a little bit, um, and they're anxious to get the combines in the field now. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as it's the Wednesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll talk a little bit more on the grain perspective, and no surprise, it's a Wednesday and we get notification of another spread of African swine fever. We'll get all the details coming from Arlen Suderman. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman joins us again. Let's talk uh, corn and wheat. We did talk about the, uh, the trade being up a little bit. We've got what you say is a flurry of wheat tenders going on with the harvest underway. Yeah, there really has been, and a couple of factors for that. Then, one is we had seen quite a decrease in prices, not just here in the United States. The Black Sea really sets a tone, and and we'd seen prices in the Black Sea ratcheting lower for about six weeks or so. So that makes it more attractive on the global basis. The other factor is we'd seen a drop in uh, freight rates in the global these big freighters that carry the grains around the world and those prices have dropped so you get the combination of lower wheat prices and lower freight costs it became pretty attractive to buyers 
And so we've seen some big tenders go. Obviously, United States is not going to get all those. Uh, we'll get a fraction. We'll get a part of them. And uh, so we should see our export sales go up some here over the next couple of weeks, uh, USDA weekly reports. Uh, and that should certainly help. The other fact we're watching, as we mentioned, is that dryness in the southern plains in our previous segment. Uh, but also, it's still quite dry in uh, much of Australia. Argentina's battling dryness uh, with their crop. It's in their spring right now, just as it is Australia. Black Sea region, a portion of the Black Sea has been dry. Um, and uh, uh, and also, we've been seeing some dryness in Europe. So there are some weather factors as well. We're not in danger of running out of wheat anytime real soon. Um, but th- those factors have all combined to give us a little bit of support in the wheat market. Isn't it amazing how just just a year ago we were talking about such a huge abundance of wheat in the world, and now we're starting to pull back a little bit and have some concerns. We are, and it's primarily the, the good protein wheat that's a problem. And so um, that's, you know, it's kind of becoming a two-tiered market, and the basis market is having to fight that out. Uh, what we do, but protein is becoming worth more and more. Uh, and uh, as we've pushed yields up with some of these new varieties out, we've lost protein. We've bred more for yield than we have for protein, and the mills like the protein for the bread quality, and uh, so that's where the concern is. Head over to the livestock side. of We know African swine fever has spread now to South Korea. What does this mean for this market? Yeah, and it's been mostly farms up near the DMZ on the border of North Korea. We know that North Korea has, has had the disease at least known to us uh, for about four months, having gotten it from China, it looks like, um, but now into South Korea, at least two different outbreaks now in South Korea. That's pretty significant because South Korea loves its pork, uh, and it's a, they import about a third of their pork consumption. Um, and they, they accounted for, I think, 12% of U.S. pork exports last year. So they're a significant customer in the United States. Not only that, is they'll be a major bidder against China as China tries to bid to buy pork. Uh, and, and we know it's still very bad and it's still spreading in China. I think we talked about last week how we think it's kind of stabilizing around 45% production losses versus pre-ASF levels. But it's still spreading on some farms while other farms with high biosecurity are expanding to kind of offset the losses. That's why we're getting the stabilization. But when you look now at East Asia, virtually the entire region has the disease outside of Japan. Now, Japan has a natural water barrier around it, but that was not enough to keep the disease away from the Philippines, which this month we also found out they have the disease as well. And not only is it all over East Asia outside of Japan, but it's in Russia. Uh, it's in Eastern Europe, especially Ukraine. Their largest hog farm there has been hit. This is becoming a very broad regional problem now. And what that says is it's going to be with us, and probably it's going to be very difficult for any nation within that area of the world to be able to get rid of African swine fever until or unless we have a vaccine effectively developed and distributed. So this disease is going to be with us. It's already claimed over a quarter of the world's hogs, and that is going to eventually escalate the demand for U.S. production. Hopefully we'll keep the disease out of the United States, and as U.S. pork prices go up, 
we should see some consumer shift to beef and poultry, which should elevate beef and poultry prices as well. It's going to change dynamically the global protein trade and the global protein markets. Well, you can't, and we talked about this a while back on the Fontenelle Final Bell, you can't market on hope. And it just seems like that's what this whole hog market has been since last April. Yeah, it's just taken a lot longer than what the markets thought in order for this to play out, but it is still playing out as we expected. The markets are on instant gratification. Trade the news today, and as they've done that, they've encouraged expansion of production, but this is going to, this is a situation that was going to take time to evolve, and it's doing it as, just as we expected. All right, sounds good, Arlen. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? INTLFCStone.com. And of course, on Twitter. Twitter.com slash ArlenFF101. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Don't forget, it's podcast as well for you to catch later. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.